Well, good morning, everyone. I don't know about you, but I've had enough liquid sunshine. Amen. I want some of that real sunshine in in the sky. Um, this morning on my way here, um, I had a there's one of the I heard of them well trucks passed me on the interstate right before I got to Cabela's, and they like to throw rocks and everything up in the air, and I thought somebody had shot at my car. And I look down right behind my GPS and I see a little indent of splinter glass. And the next thing you know, it goes all the way across the bottom. And uh, so I, I really don't like coming over this area very much because last year during He's Alive on my way home Thursday night, I hit a baby deer by the rest area in Pennsylvania. So I'm starting to think Route 70 don't like me too much. Uh, I really am. I'm starting to take it a little personal. Um, <clears throat> but... Um, have insurance that will be covered. The only thing is that i got to pay the first $50, which I think they should take care of all of it. That little lizard told me on TV he, gave, he saved me money. Me paying 50 bucks isn't saving me money. Uh, but anyways, but uh, Psalms chapter 37 this morning, we, we, we heard it read, um, as you saw by the marquee out there, How to Defeat Fear. Um, that's the title of my message this morning, How to Defeat Fear. You know, we, we, we fear a lot of things in our life. I was reading this week, and, and, I, and I, I love humor, if you can't tell. Um, and I saw a comic this week, and it showed a lady talking to her neighbor. And they were talking about her hen, Henrietta. And she said, we just love Henrietta. She gives us fresh eggs every day. We love having her. But the moment she quits giving eggs, we're going to eat her. Next, next scene in the comic shows Henrietta in the grocery store buying two dozen eggs and taking them back home with her. She didn't like the idea of being cooked up for Sunday dinner, amen? So we have some things that we are fearful of. Uh, I, I, heard a, I heard a story this past, a joke this past week that uh, I thought was rather funny. It said a lady had uh, went out on her first date in 30 years. And her daughter was fearful of her going on this date because her dad died when her mom was 60. And now she was 90 and she met somebody at the senior home and they decided to go out on a date. Her daughter was really afraid of this. She didn't know how it was going to go. So that she comes back home later that night and she says, Mom, how'd it go? She goes, well, not too bad. I only had to slap him three times. She goes, he got that pressure dish? She goes, no, I'd make sure he was still living. <laughs> well, her daughter was afraid of the date and Mom took care of herself. Amen. But we see some things in this passage um, this morning. And I'm going to read through it again just so we can get our mindset back on that. Uh, just a little bit. It says, Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So, so shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger, and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil, for evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord shall inherit the earth." There's another verse in the Bible when it talks about waiting on the Lord, and it's in Isaiah where it says, Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And uh, sometimes we as human beings, as I said last week about Dr. Spurgeon, about he was in a hurry and God's not, we, we tend to be impatient people. 
And we tend to want things now instead of later. And it's just because of the way society has presented that to us. We're a 24-7, 365 day society. If it's a leap year, it's 366. But we are a now. We want it now. Yesterday would have been better. That's how we are. That's how we're programmed to be. Now, I like things a little slower. Uh, but this younger generation, you, all the, how many we have here are under the age of 25? How many want to say they're under the age of 25? <laughs> Amen. But you young folks that use one of these things, you want to see a teenager get fearful? <laughs> Change the Wi-Fi password at home. But they want it now. And you can get stuff now. It used to be when I was a kid growing up, if I wanted knowledge... I had to go to this building called a library, and I had to go in there and find the knowledge I was looking for. And if somebody else needed that knowledge before I could get it, and they had checked it out, it totally wrecked my whole day. But now we have this thing called Google. We can look up anything. And boom, there it is. Like while they were singing that song, I Am Redeemed, I, had, I said, I know there's a Southern Gospel group that sings that song. And I'm on my phone Googling, who sings this song? It's the Booth Brothers. And... Uh, I was like, but I had to know that. And I could actually do it. I didn't have to wait till I got home or, 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 or write a letter or look in a magazine or something. I could do it right then and there. But we've become a society, though, that depends a lot on technology, where there's nothing wrong with technology. But we're a fearful society. A lot of things going on in our country to be afraid of. You know, school shootings. You know, we've got people... Uh, you know, using uh, guns and killing other people. It just it doesn't make sense to me. We've, we've, we're a society that's lost our morality for life. And as tragic as everything has been with these school shootings and stuff, I, 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 and it was terrible what happened in Florida. It's a terrible, terrible thing. But we've got thousands of babies dying every day and nobody sheds a tear. Nobody sheds a tear. We've got a lot of stuff that we're afraid of. I'm afraid of mice. I hate them things. They're, they're Satan's little demons is what they are. Um, my kids will tell you if I see a mouse, I'm gone. You've never seen Scooby-Doo where the legs are turning and... <laughs> yep, that's exactly what happens. I remember years ago, uh, I was cleaning out uh, my in-law's pool and a mouse had gotten into the water. And I was sweeping the pool, and I saw that mouse. Immediately, I turned into Peter out of the New Testament, and I was walking on the water. And, uh, but Psalms here, it says, I, I preached this message several years ago, um, right after 9-11. I was asked to preach in a church right after 9-11. And I entitled the sermon then, Don't Worry, Be Happy. But uh, that kind of got me in trouble a little bit, because there used to be a song out there on the radio that said, Don't Worry, Be Happy. So I changed it to How to Defeat Fear. So how do we defeat fear? Well, some people say, well, you're just brave and you just go forward and you do... No, you can do that, but sometimes bravery can be a dumb thing. You know, you go in with your head down, not looking up, you're going to smack into something, you know? So what does David say here? Fret not thyself because of you. Don't worry what everybody else around you is doing. Evildoers especially. In other words, those that aren't born again, those that aren't saved, don't worry about what the world's doing. Because I, as we're, we're supposed to win folks and get them to Christ, but you're not going to win everybody. You're not going to convert everybody. You're not going to get everybody to look to Jesus Christ like we would want them to. So we can't fret about what they're doing. Our job is to try to win them and get them to the cross. 
And then once we get them to that point, it's like leading a horse to water. You can lead a horse to water, you can't make it drink. So if you bring somebody to church with you and you invite them and you talk to them about Christ and they choose not to accept it, that's not on you. You've done your job. Don't worry about it now. Pray for them, but don't worry about it. Fret not thyself because you will do it. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. It always seems that Christians envy those in the world that do well when we're sitting there not doing well. Somebody asked my dad years ago, says, Preacher, why do you, and I'm standing there when he answers, he says, why do you think God allows those that are wicked and in the world to, 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 to have the money and have the cars and have the houses? Why do they get all that when they're doing stuff that's wrong? Why does that happen? My dad said, well, honestly, he said, the only answer I can give you with is that that's the only heaven they're ever going to see. But we as Christians, we're not to be envious. We're not to covet. You know, I like his shirt and tie he's wearing this morning. I like that, Brother Dave. I really do. It takes a man to wear pink. I'm telling you right now. I wear pink. All, trust me, with the girls, I wear these light blue things. They, they got me going to pastel colors and everything else. And I was used to just white shirts, black shirts, and that was it. But I like his tie and I like his suit and everything. Now, am I going to sit there and say, boy, I really wish I had that suit? No. I like it. But it probably wouldn't fit me anyhow. But I'm not going to covet over his suit. You realize we covet in so many ways and, and we worry about so many things that we don't even have to worry about. But we just do it anyhow because that's our makeup. That's the flesh. But God said, or David wrote here in this psalm, some things that we can do to overcome fear. The first thing he said, which is the most important thing that you can do if you want to overcome fear this morning. Number one, verse three, trust in the Lord. That's the first thing. Put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ and you don't have anything to be afraid of. Because he's got it all in his hands. He's got it all under control. He knows what was going to happen today before you even got up out of your bed this morning. He knows what's going to happen this afternoon before you even know what happens. And I'm glad he does. Because if I knew what was going to go on some days in my life, I wouldn't get out of bed. You ever heard that saying, boy, I wish I could go back to bed and get up on the other side? Can't do that. But man, there's some days you want to do that. There's some days you go to school and you're like, man, I just want to go back to bed and get this all day started all over again. Well, first off, the day started off that bad. I don't want to start over a day that's already been bad. I want to go to the next day, personally. But trust in the Lord. We say we're Christians. We say we're born again. We say we love the Lord. But yet we don't want to trust in Him. We want to put our faith in everything else except where it needs to be. And that's Jesus Christ. You've got to trust Him. You know, it's just like when you trust people that, you know, if you work in the medical field. You know, those doctors and nurses, they trust each other to do their job and to do their thing. And if one person... If they worry about, well, is the nurse going to get this thing? If they didn't know that they could trust each other, it would be a terrible situation if you had to go to the emergency room and they didn't know what, what they were doing. But they had that faith and trust to know that, hey, I know Dr. So-and-so is going to do this, Nurse So-and-so is going to do that, we're going to get this handled. And that's just like God. God wants to work in your life. God wants to lead your life. God wants to be more to you than just a fire escape. You've got to trust in Him. And I know we're human. And Paul says in Galatians, we war against flesh and powers and spirit every day. 
the old saying is, if you, if you want your spirit to win more, feed it more. My grandfather had two mean old Doberman dogs when I was growing up. And uh, I asked him one time, I said, Pap, I said, those two dogs got loose. Which one would win? He said, whichever one I feed the most. And that's true. If you're feeding your spirit, your spirit's going to have victory after victory. If you're feeding your flesh, guess what? The flesh is going to win. So trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Trust in Him. And, and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and very thou shalt be fed. Listen, if you put your faith and trust in the Lord, and you trust Him for everything in your life, not just the big things, but the little things, your life is going to go so much smoother, and your fear level is going to go... Your anxiety is going to down. I've never seen the like of God's people. And I talk to people all the time across the mid-Atlantic area where we travel and sing. How many Christians are dealing with anxiety issues and fear issues and, and they're on this medication for this? And listen, I understand medication needed for some things. But I think a lot of the anxiety, a lot of the worry we have, if we just gave it to God, it wouldn't be there. But we just got to give it to Him. I learned a long time ago, you've got to let go and let God. If you don't, you're going to be fearful. Number two, delight thyself also. So if you're trusting in Him, you're not going to have no problem. Number two, you're going to be delighting yourself in Him. And what does that mean? That means living in God's goodness and grace when you delight in Him. In other words, you're obedient. You do what He tells you to do. You know, if this morning God spoke to Miss Brenda over here and said, Okay, Miss Brenda, I know you had this song planned for the choir singing, but I want you to sing this song. If God told her to do that, and she switched the song, she'd probably give everybody in the choir a heart attack, but she'd be obedient to God because God told her to change that song. Now, I'm not saying it's something as drastic as that, but if you're trusting in the Lord, you're going to delight yourself, you're going to do what makes Him happy. See, my kids at home, they know some things that they want Dad to be in a good mood, and they want Dad to be a happy dad and joke around with them. Then there's some things that they need to make sure they're doing as far as their responsibilities at home. They have a list. There's a list on their refrigerator of who does, who does what. And uh, if I get home or I'm home and I walk through the door and, and I go upstairs, and if, I, if one of the jobs isn't done and I see it's not done, I'm not happy. Because now I, I end up doing it because I can't stand for it. I've got OCD too, too bad. I can't stand for things not to be done. My kids don't like it. I can be gone for a, a week singing somewhere, and this happened last year, and I can walk in and I can look and tell you if they moved a DVD off the shelf. They hate it. My kids told me, they said, you are the real-life Danny Tanner from Full House. <laughs> you know when something's out of place. I open the refrigerator up, I have a way, and I organize it, and it's not put back where I said, how hard is it to put the ketchup where it goes? Instead of just putting it right in there. It blocked my water jug. I couldn't get the water jug. I had to make an extra move. But they said, so my daughter, my youngest, bless her heart, I love my daughter to death. She, I call her Peanut. Her name's Olivia. And she'll be 13 years old. Pray for me. I'll have all teenagers in the house after May. And uh, so, so pray for me. And for those of you that have already experienced that, my prayers and thoughts are with you. Um, but uh, she, she, uh, she'll call me on the phone. She goes, where are you at? And I said, well, I'm about two hours from home. She goes, good, we got time. <laughs> and by the time I get home, everything's, you know. And, and people say, well, are you that mean? No, I just have things a certain way. I, I tell them all the time. I said, our living room and the kitchen, when you walk into our house, 
You see the kitchen and the living room. I said, those two rooms always have to be clean, and the bathroom always has to be clean. If your rooms are dirty, just shut the door and put up under bomb shelter, you know, or something like that, or under construction, enter at own risk. But, uh, but those are the three rooms that I really care about. So if I walk in and those rooms aren't clean and aren't done, and they say, and my kids, I told my kids, I said, listen, your mom and I are getting older. You all got good legs and good arms. You all can do this a lot quicker than we can. But they, if they want to delight in Dad and they want Dad to be happy when Dad gets home, guess what? They make sure stuff's done that's supposed to be done. And that's exactly how we should be with the Lord. We should want to delight in Him. We should want to do the things He wants us to do. If you're at a gas station pumping gas and there's a lady or a gentleman standing over the next aisle pumping gas and the Holy Spirit says, hey, talk to them about the Lord, guess what? You should talk to them about the Lord. You don't know what they're going through. They can be going through something and looking for that word of encouragement. Looking for that word of caring. We're supposed to show the love of Christ, so let's show the love of Christ. But how many times has the Holy Spirit told us to do something like that? We're like, oh, I can't do that. I might think I'm weird. Listen, folks, I know I'm weird. It doesn't matter. I travel down the road. If you ever put a tape recorder in my car, you're going to think I'm slap nuts. Because of the fact, I talk to myself when I'm driving down the road. I do. I talk and praise the Lord. I've got music on. I start singing. I start shouting a little bit. And stuff, and I was at a stoplight one time over in Ohio and uh, near Mansfield, and I was on my way to sing with the girls and a concert, and I had a song playing, and man, I was just enjoying it, and I was singing, and I just had, I had, man, I was slapping my hand on the steering wheel, I was praising the Lord. I looked over this guy in the lane beside me, just was giving me this look, like, what is wrong with this guy? So you know what I did? I rolled down my window. It was summertime. I said, Jesus loves you. He rolled his window up before the light turned green. He was gone. I remember one time I was having such a good time with myself in the car. You know, you travel three and a half, four hours by yourself one way. You come up with different ways to entertain yourself. You really do. And I'm going down the road, and I'm, and I'm singing along, and I'm loving this song. And this old song come on. And I don't know if some of you the Rambos used to do it called, I Feel Good. I Feel Good. As that song kept going, I kept feeling better. And that gas accelerator kept going to the floor. And I'm driving. I'm like, I feel good. I look down. I'm going 90. <laughs> Then I look up and I see, woo, woo, woo. I'm like, oh boy, I'm in trouble. I pulled over and the cop said, uh, do you know why I pulled you over? And I said, probably because I feel good and I was speeding. He looked at me and goes, you feel good about speeding? I said, no, 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 that's not what I meant. I said, I was listening to a song, I feel good. And, uh, and he looked at my equipment in the back and he goes, what do you do? I'm thinking, do I really want to tell him I'm a gospel singer? I don't want to tell him. You know what? I picked this stuff up on the side of the road. I'm not sure where it got it from. But I thought that might inter- and take a longer on the situation with him having me pulled over. So I told him what I did. And he come back. He checked my license. He come back. Okay, slow it down. Get there in one piece and have a great day. Now, that doesn't happen all the time. Trust me. But, uh, but uh, so delight yourself in the Lord. Number three, commit thy way unto the Lord. Commit yourself to him. So you trust in the Lord, you delight in Him, and then you commit yourself to Him. See, if you are ingrained, and if you are in, in that personal relationship, that personal walk with Jesus Christ on a daily basis, you won't have as many fear problems as we face today. You know, I, I told somebody the other day, I said, do you worry about driving all these miles you drive? Do you worry about car accidents and stuff? I said, nope. Because... If it's God's will that the car wrecks, if something happens, I'm going to be in glory. I don't worry about it. Am I anxious a little bit about death yet because it's kind of the fear of the unknown? But I just know that verse in the Bible says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. And this past week when Dr. Graham 
slipped into eternity. The moment he closed his eyes on this side, he opened his eyes on the other side. And I believe, because I, I just, this is just the Jasonism here, I believe his Lord was standing there, and I believe his beloved wife Ruth was standing right there with him, saying, welcome home. Listen, I have all the admiration and respect for Billy Graham, Dr. Billy Graham in the world. The man, in my opinion, that fulfilled the Great Commission in what he did. Traveled over 200 countries. I, was, I looked at another article this week that said over 149, but it was over 200 that he evangelized in. Over 2 million people that he reached with the simple message of Jesus is the only way and the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what he preached. That's what he taught. And several, several folks are going to be in the kingdom of God someday because he was obedient to God's call in his life. Now, did Dr. Graham have fears in his life? I'm sure he did. But I believe that he was so close with God that God just took care of those fears. You go into some of the countries he went in, you probably wouldn't know if he'd come out alive or not. Because a lot of those countries he went into, they didn't allow the gospel in churches and stuff. This was a new thing to them. But what a great man of God he was. And what a legacy he has left behind. And uh, I know he's rejoicing in heaven this morning. But commit thy way into the Lord. Trust also in him. Again, he's telling us not only commit, but trust in him. There's a, there's a pattern here in these scriptures constantly reminding us to trust in God. Trust in God. Commit thy way unto Him. So commit yourself to the Lord. Sell yourself out to Him. D.L. Moody made this statement. The world has yet to see what God can do with one person totally sold out for Jesus Christ. That's quite a statement. Because Dr. D.L. Moody, I, I consider him one of the greatest preachers of yesteryear. And by the way, if you go and look, there's a thing floating around online of the lineage of the pastors and how Dr. Graham became a Christian. D.L. Moody was in that path. God had it all set up. Isn't it, isn't it amazing how what an awesome God we serve that He had that all set up? But commit yourself to Him. Number four. And this is one of my favorite parts of how to overcome fear. When we, when we trust in the Lord and we delight in Him and we commit ourselves to Him, we can rest in the Lord. There is no greater rest you'll find than resting in the arms of Jesus Christ. You can rest in Him in any time. He's there. He'll take your burdens. You know, there's a lot of things we deal with in life and some people ask me, says, well, how do, you, how do you sleep with everything? You know, you go out and you sing, you preach, you do all this. I'm sure a lot of people come and talk about prayer requests. How in the world do you deal with everything you deal with? How do you function with it all? I said, well, at night before I go to bed, I said, okay, Lord, I need some sleep. This body needs some rest. I'm going to give you everything I have. You take it. And whatever you think we need to deal with tomorrow, you can bring it up tomorrow morning when, we, when I get up. And I go to sleep. I've been doing that for the last five or six years. And I sleep pretty good. And I wake up in the morning when the first thing out of bed, I get out of bed, I go down and get my cup of hot tea, and I open my Bible up and say, okay, Lord, what are we getting into today? They say, you can live your life like that? Absolutely. You can live your life like that. And if you live your life like that, no matter what comes your way, you're going to have that comfort from the Lord. You're going to be able to rest in the Lord and know that He's got it. Rest in the Lord. 
everything that your church has been going through, you can find rest in the Lord over it. God's got this. Uh, and I've been praying for your church. Even before I came here to speak, I've been praying for your church. Uh, I've been in churches where there's been no pastor for a while and, and stuff. And, and sometimes when that happens, people go here, people go there. And I've just been praying that God keeps you all strong. And you may be, not, not, a, not a scared fear, but a fear of like, okay, well, who's coming in next? Well, if you trust in the Lord, and you delight yourself in Him, and you commit yourself to Him, you can rest in the fact and know that He's got it under control, and He's got the man that's going to be here for you folks as your pastor. That's how you can overcome that fear. But, you know, we, we, sometimes it's hard for us in our human thinking to rest like we should. You know, I love the fact on Sunday afternoons, well, not right now because if he's alive practice and everything else going on, I don't get my Sunday afternoon nap anymore. But I used to love the fact that after Sunday morning service and we'd eat dinner that we'd rest in the afternoon and then go back to church on Sunday night. That resting time, that time to refresh and renew. You know, we, we don't do that anymore. We don't rest like we should physically. We want to go, 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 go. I miss the days of when everything shut down on Sundays. Everybody at least took one day. Now it's so bad, the stores don't even want to close on Christmas anymore. They were trying to get it to where you can be open on Christmas. They're already open on Thanksgiving. But there's times that we physically need to rest. There's times that we spiritually need to rest. Even God rested. In Genesis, the first, He created the sixth day, and what did He do on the seventh day? He rested. So that shows even God needed to rest a little bit. So if God needed to rest, then are we greater than God? No, we need to rest too. I remember years ago when I was probably three or four years old, I remember my mom used to cook Sunday dinner on Saturday and have it ready and all she did was stick it in the oven and warm it up because she wasn't doing no cooking on Sunday. It was the day of rest. Now, as a kid, I didn't rest too much. They put me down for a nap. You know, I had a terrible childhood growing up. I really did. They, they, they first took me home and put me behind bars. And then they put me in a pen to play. You know, it was terrible. It was terrible. Matter of fact, when I was in the nursery as a baby, I told the rest of the kids, if we ganged up on the nurses, we could escape. But they didn't listen to me. And then one final thing I want to leave you with this morning. And it's found in verse 8. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Being angry and upset never helps the situation. Now, there is a time for righteous anger. Like against abortion, that's a righteous anger. Against the burning of our flag, that's a righteous anger. <coughs> against what's happening to our country, morality, and, and God being kicked out of everything, that's a righteous anger. But I'm talking about the type of anger that, you know, the dishes weren't done and you come home and literally blow your top. That's the type of anger I'm talking about. We need to cease from that anger because all that does is just stir up everything and it makes the fear worse. Anger is adding fuel to the fire. Listen, I, I've gotten mad. I'm not going to lie. I know Miss Jeannie back there has gotten a little frustrated and upset and mad sometimes, especially with the set guys over at the theater sometimes. They can be a real handful. Um... But we get that anger. Then what do we got to do? And I love what Miss Jean does. And I'm not picking on her this morning. And I hope she doesn't think that. But I love what she does. 
if at one moment, I, and you can just tell in her face that she's just like ready to, stop! That kind of thing. She goes, let's pray. That's exactly what she does. And I want to tell you something, it resets everything to where it needs to be. So next time, instead of getting mad and getting angry, pray. Say, Lord, calm me down. Lord, take control of the situation. And cease from anger. Because all it's going to do is make things worse. With my children, I found out that yelling at them does not work. It just makes the situation worse. Because then they get their teenage attitudes, and then i got to deal with that too. I, I, I remember when I was a kid, my dad uh, one day was... Uh, he'd asked me to do something. I forget what it was. I think it was I was supposed to clean out the basement, me and my brother. It was on a summer. It was in July. And it was a summer Saturday, and it was nice out. We wanted to go out and play softball. That's what we were going to do. All the boys in the neighborhood. We actually had a neighborhood full of kids. You remember those days you had a neighborhood full of kids? We all played uh, <clears throat> uh, softball together. We didn't have a grassy area to play that was level, so there was a set of tennis courts down below our house, and that's where we played softball at, on a tennis court. Not the best thing to do, but it worked. Um, and I wanted to go play softball. And my mother looks at me and she goes, well, remember, your dad said clean out the basement. And I forget where my dad was for the afternoon. I said, well, dad's not here, is he? Wrong thing to say. I walked, we had this real long kitchen, and I walked out. And as I'm walking towards the front door, something got a hold of me. I'm still not sure what it was. I just remember hearing this voice, and this is probably not what it sounded like, but to me at 15 or 16 years old, it sounded like this. It sounded like, Dear God, help me not to kill this child. <laughs> and the next thing I know, my mom had a fly swatter, all right? One of them ones, the metal handle with the fly. The flies never got touched. Matter of fact, the flies would fly by our neighbors and said, Let's go in the woods house. We know we ain't going to get killed with that thing in there. And she started wailing me with that thing. I mean, just, I mean, tearing me up like Zorro, man. She And then the plastic thing flew off, and she kept going with the metal parts. I'll teach you to talk to me like that. I'll teach you to do that to me. I'll teach you. And she's yelling and screaming and smacking me with that thing. I was madder after that got done than what I was to begin with. So it didn't, it didn't make me want to clean the basement more. It made me mad. And so, I'm sitting there on the steps to the top of the basement. I still ain't going down to touch the basement yet. I'm sitting there, I'm mad. And about 20 minutes later, Mom comes in and she puts her arm around me and she said, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have lost my cool like that. But you shouldn't have smarted me off like that either. I said, I know, I'm sorry. Believe me, I was. I didn't wear shorts for a week. I had welts all the way up and down my legs. But I went down and cleaned the basement. But she got through to me more that way than being angry with me. And we laugh about it, and it is funny now looking back. At the time, I didn't think it was funny at all. But sometimes when God lets things come in our lives, why do we want to get mad at Him? He's doing it for our good. He's doing it. The Bible says in Romans 8, 20, For all things work together for good for them who love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. If you're born again a child of God this morning, guess what? All things, God wants to work things for your good. And what he's doing is sometimes to get you to the good part, he's going to take you through a trial or a tribulation to get you there. Because you're not quite ready yet, and he's got to make you ready. But we want to get mad at God. 
It was very... Everybody's been asking, and, and, and I don't know, some of you may know, some of you may not, that my uh, stepdaughter was tragically killed in a drowning accident. I don't know if I mentioned that last week or not. Um, but a lot of people have asked me, are you mad at God over this? And I said, for maybe a split second, I got in the flesh with this, I said, God, why are you doing this to us? What did we do to have this happen? And then... I realized, God, you've got a plan. You know what you're doing. And the reason I know you knew what he was doing is because at her service, two people gave their hearts to Jesus Christ. If out of that tragedy, those two folks came to Christ, it was worth the tragedy. I missed my daughter. I missed not talking to her. We talked about twice a week via Skype because she lived in Hawaii. But I know she's in a better place. And I know that if I was to go ask her this morning, you want to come back, I'm sure she'd say, no, I'll just wait here. Because we're going to be long without them more down here than they are with us because time's different in heaven. And I can't wait. I've got more to go to heaven for now than I did yesterday. But we went through a fearful time in our life. And I opened this verse, this passage up, and I started reading it. I said, Lord, I don't know what you're doing, but it's in your hands. And listen, that's what we have to do in our daily lives with Christ. We have to put it all in His hands. And then we won't be afraid and fearful as much. And just like with the church here, y'all, put it in God's hands. I know God's got the person out there for this church. And God's going to send him here. And then I pray that this church just explodes in growth. That you have to go to an expansion program. That this becomes the gym and you go to the gym, you know? Almost stepped off that thing right there. Do you see? I almost lost my balance. Y'all have been saying he he got slain in the spirit in the Baptist church. Look out. <laughs> Trust in the Lord. Delight in the Lord. Commit to the Lord. Rest in the Lord. And cease from anger. I honestly believe this morning, if you follow those five steps, those five things, your fear level will go way, way way down so I don't know if I believe you try it try it try it for 30 days see what happens everything has a 30 day money back guarantee try it for 30 days and see if it doesn't help you in your daily walk and your walk with Christ every head bowed every eye closed no one looking around this morning maybe you're here this morning you say well brother Jason I've been dealing with fear and I've not been letting the Lord have control like he should and I want to give that back to him this morning you can come to this old-fashioned altar this morning and get that right back where it needs to be. Also, if you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you have no idea what I'm talking about. Oh, you may have fears, and I'm sure you do, but can I tell you Jesus can give you the answers? Jesus is the one that can answer everything. He's the one that can get you, get you on that right track. He's the one that can fix you. I said this last night, and I believe it's true that Jesus Christ is the carpenter that rebuilds broken lives. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done. Jesus Christ wants you just as you are. For years in the Billy Graham Crusade, when they gave the invitation, they always played the song, Just As I Am. That's exactly how Jesus wants you. You come to Him as you are, He'll take care of the rest. He just wants you to come. Let's pray. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for allowing us to open your word this morning. Lord, I pray that you would uh, 
just be with this congregation, be with this body of believers this morning. Lord, that, uh, if there's some here this morning that are dealing with anxiety and fear, that, Lord, that they will read Your Word and follow these things, Lord, and, and, and trust in You to take care of things. Father God, I pray there's one here this morning in the sound of my voice that knows You not as their personal Savior, that they will before they leave today. God, we thank You, we love You, we praise You, we honor You. And we ask You to bless this time of invitation. And it's in Your name we ask it. Amen.